Okay, so he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Um, therefore, that was because of the fact that we've been grafted in because we are now that, that spiritual Israel. Paul beseeches us, okay? He, he's basically pleading, isn't he? So it's not automatic, is it? Yeah, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Because how, how much false doctrine is there out there where people believe that if you're saved, you're going to automatically be some sort of great person now. That, well, I got saved. I'm now different to everyone else because I'm saved. I, I just had that today, preaching on the door. We're preaching to a mother and daughter. Uh, the daughter ended up getting saved. The mother, it, it was, there was some language barrier issues as well. But as far as she was concerned, there was no way that, that any Christian would go out and commit murder, she said. I said, okay, well, are you trying to tell me that there's no Christian ladies out there ever that haven't murdered their children? Are you saying that? There aren't any Christian mothers out there that haven't got abortions, as the world likes to call them? Terminations, as the world likes to quaintly call them? Of course they have. Are there other, are there other issues like that out in the world? Are, are you trying to tell me there's not one Christian that's ever committed murder? King David committed murder as far as I'm concerned. Oh, well, he didn't do it with his hands. You know what? You think there aren't people that haven't done it? You think there are people out there, Christians out there, that haven't committed murder with their hands? Of course there are. But in her world, well, no way. No way, because you're a Christian. Well, that's not what the Bible says, is it? Yeah, it doesn't say that there's some automatic change. He's beseeching them. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See, that's your reasonable service. That's not right, you know, on the flip side, it's not, well, you know, this is, this is kind of an extreme. If you could try and present your bodies, you know, do what you can, because then you've got the opposite side. Well, you know, I'm under grace, man. Just do what I can do. God knows me. God knows what I'm capable of. Well, he said it's your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That's just your reasonable service. Okay, yep. We're not going to get it right all the time. Yep, we're all going to sin. Yep, we know that. But on the same hand, we should be presenting our bodies, shouldn't we? Yeah. We should be saying, look, I'm here to serve you, God. Yeah, I'm here for you. I, I, I want to do your will. I, I, I want to be holy. I want to be acceptable unto you. That's your reasonable service. Verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, conformed, okay, is made to resemble, reduced to a likeness of, made agreeable to, suited. So, what he's not saying here is that you have to stick out like a, like a sore thumb. Okay, people can read this and go, right, I need to make it as clear as possible that I'm a Christian by the way I dress. Now, of course, we don't want to conform to this world on the same hand, but we don't have to be like the Amish, do we? Okay, we don't have to try and make this big point of, 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 well, you know, we're not like the world and we wear just bizarre, you know, 17th century outfits, for example. Um, you think about, you're thinking, well, yeah, do many people do that? Well, think about the Catholic priest in his dress, yeah? What's he trying to do? He's trying to make this big point of what and who he is, isn't he? Yeah, those stupid dog collars or whatever they're called. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Think about the, the Muslim in a dress. Oh, they're so holy because they're walking down the, the road in a dress. Oh, well, it's all right. They've got trousers underneath. They're still in a dress, aren't they? Isn't it absolutely bizarre? A dress and some stupid hat. What even does that mean? But, oh, aren't they holy because they're not conformed to this world? Well, okay, yeah, we don't want to be conformed to this world. 
there should be a difference, shouldn't there? But a difference in the way we think, yeah? And there should be a difference in the way we dress if, if the way the world's dressing is sinful, of course. There should be a difference in the way we behave. Yeah, there should be a difference in the way we behave. People should, with time, be able to see a difference in your workplace. Yeah? They should be able to see a difference and go, yeah, there's a difference there, because that guy's a Christian. It shouldn't be a secret that you're a Christian either, should it? Okay, there should, there, there should clearly, you should not be conformed as well. People should start to say, yeah, you can see the difference <coughs> in that guy. Yeah, that guy's honest. That guy doesn't just lie off the tip of his tongue. That guy works hard. That guy, you know what you're going to get. That guy's diligent. That's how we should be in our workplace, men, shouldn't we? Yeah, people should be able to say, yeah, that's a, that's a difference. Because otherwise, really, you're doing the opposite there, aren't you? You're doing harm. You're doing harm by being just, just another lazy, rubbish worker like the rest of the world is, it seems. And I'm not saying they all are, but it seems to be a lot more like that, isn't it? What about, what about mums when you're, t when you're around other mums? You know, people should be able to see that difference. They should be able to see that difference so that you're nervous to be a Christian or anything else. To just, to just be happy to have children, happy to, to be a mum, yeah? Amen. To have self-respect for the fact that you're a mum, yeah? And not constantly trying to make excuses for why you're not at work. There should be a difference in us. And nowadays, yes, there should be a difference in the way we dress. And before some of you ladies are sitting here going, oh, no, he's, he's at it again. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. We're going to start hearing about trousers again. Well, let's give the ladies a bit of a, a, bit of a break from this because we've covered this a couple of times now in the last couple of weeks. And it is one of my favourite subjects. No, I'm joking. It's not. <laughs> Jews are one of my favourite <laughs> subjects. <laughs> uh, like, well, what about boys then? What about the men here? Yeah? How can we be different in the way we dress? Well, especially you young boys here, without those stupid skull and crossbones all over your t-shirts and everything you wear. You see all that stuff you see everywhere? Everywhere they go, these kids, these young kids, and we, we get a lot of hand-me-downs, yeah? So we have family members that pass on boys' clothes and girls' clothes to us, and obviously it has to go through a bit of a filtration system. And one of those systems is skulls and crossbones, yeah? And it seems to be a lot of the stuff we get are skulls and crossbones on it, and they have to get kind of put away, binned, or whatever else, yeah? But skulls and crossbones, because what is that? It's just worshipping the dead, isn't it? Yeah, we as Christians don't want to be, have our kids dressed in all this, you know, undead or whatever sort of stuff they call it. Obviously, Halloween-type stuff, we steer clear of, don't we? Yeah, we don't worship that stuff. We don't put it up there as some sort of cool thing to celebrate. What about all the ripped jeans stuff? Because we talk about thighs being... Uh, thighs being nakedness, don't we? Yeah, I think I've shown that from the Word of God quite clearly previously. So is it all right if boys or girls are walking around and just rips up their thighs? Is that okay? In a bizarre fashion, that, isn't it? It's a bizarre fashion to buy something which looks like it's tatty and should be put in the bin. And yeah, actually, some people pay good money for that stuff, don't they? Good money for ripped up jeans. But should we, should we really be dressed like that? No, you're just bearing nakedness, aren't you? What about all the long hair? The long hair. Do we want our boys, do we want our sons, the men here? Oh, should we just push it? What is long hair? What is long hair? Well, it's the opposite to short hair. Why don't you have short hair? Yeah? <laughs> Pretty simple, isn't it? Oh, well, where's the line? Well, the line is just have short hair. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah, have short hair, don't have long hair. It's a shame unto a man to have long hair. What about earrings? What about earrings? Yeah, and I don't think anyone here has been... I think so. Wait a second. No, <laughs> I don't think any of the men here are hitting the earrings, but, but you know, hopefully they won't be tempted. Hopefully they won't go, oh, well, you know, he's just a teenager. He's just going through a phase of looking like a queer. Yeah? 
Don't wear, I, look, I'm gonna be honest here, when I was young, I had an earring, yeah? And I look like an absolute clown. I still hate looking at photos of myself when I was a young, <laughs> foolish teenager with a hoop in my ear, yeah? And, okay, it was the left ear, all right? Which is apparently all right. <laughs> left ear was all right, right? Yeah, I never got it. No, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I, still, I can still feel the little lump there. As well. It is embarrassing, yeah? It's embarrassing. I see Brother Gary nodding there. I reckon he was an earring man as well, yeah? Didn't we look cool, eh? No, we look like fags. Yeah, but... <laughs> but we didn't think we did. We thought we looked cool. But... Yeah, earrings, we don't want to encourage that sort of nonsense, do we? And, and look, there are many other things you could think of. I mean, uh, some jewellery is a bit questionable, I would say, anyway. It's more of a kind of effeminate thing. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm not going to pretend there's a word of God there about that. But I would say, look, we don't want to be conformed to the world, do we? You know, we don't want to be conformed to the world. Obviously, with men, boys, the rest, skinny jeans, yeah? Things that are showing off your body, your physique, tight down your legs, all that stuff. It's just queer, isn't it? Yeah, that sort of stuff, along with the earring. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to get on my high horse here, but that sort of stuff. When I was young, that sort of stuff, you'd look at someone and go, what a queer. Yeah, if someone walked into my school when I was young in a pair of skinny jeans, one of my friends, he would have probably got quite a bad beating, okay? That's the truth. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying we should just be going around beating people in skinny jeans. What I'm saying is that, that would have happened, wouldn't it? Yeah, nowadays, it, it, it's all the rage, isn't it? absolute madness and look just because your friends or just because you're at school or just because wherever it is just because you see that around young young men here I'm talking to especially you know the boys here don't be conformed to this world because that's the sort of stuff you'll look back in years to come and like me with my stupid earring yeah I look back and I cringe and I think what was I doing I was like, amen <laughs> yeah sure so yeah yeah and brother Dorian's saying the same and I'm sure there's a few other guys that get quiet out there as well but yeah and we look back at ourselves and we think what was I doing did you know what I think yeah? and again I don't want to you know I don't want to talk badly of them but if only my parents had just gone, no. In fact, my dad didn't let me wear it in the house. Yeah, he didn't. But he should have just ripped it out and said, you're not having it at all. That's what he should have done. And that's what I would do if any of my sons turned up with an earring when they're older. I will rip it out their ears and make sure they can't put one back in. Because, because that's what he should have done. That's what he should have done. But he didn't, unfortunately. And I might have to cut this bit in case social said, no, I'm, joking, I'm joking. No, because that's the truth, shouldn't you? Yeah, because a father should make it clear, yeah? Shouldn't they make it clear? And look, obviously my dad wasn't raised with the word of God as well. And we have that benefit now. But yeah, it, you know, for me, we need to make sure we're not conformed. And I'll hit on the men a bit here, but how's our mind renewed though? Because it says here, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So fortunately, praise God, I hope everyone here has had some renewing of their mind. We'll turn to 1 Corinthians 2. Because first off, it comes from the indwelling Holy Ghost. Okay, first off, that renewing of your mind comes from the indwelling Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and from verse 9, reads 1 Corinthians 2, 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit... That's the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost there. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, 
not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So the indwelling spirit here gives us the ability to have the mind of Christ. But is that automatic? Is it just automatic? You got saved, you got the Holy Spirit, now you have the mind of Christ. No. Verse 13 says that it comes from comparing spiritual things with spiritual. It's from the Word of God, isn't it? It's from the Word of God. And that's why the unsaved can't understand the Bible, isn't it? That's why they rest, to the, rest with the scriptures, don't they? But, but to no avail, they can't understand them. They can't get, they just can't get it. And you can sit down with someone unsaved and show them verse after verse and look, if they don't, and, and obviously I'm not talking about salvation, I'm talking about all those other things there. They just don't get it, do they? They don't understand it. A lot of the time you are just ca casting your pearls to swine, okay? It is, with many other issues, it is pointless, but they can't understand it. <laughs> But the Holy Ghost, it's, it's the Holy Ghost which does that, because it's a natural man. The unsaved receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. When we go through some of the stuff in this chapter, you're going to see that as well. Why it is that they're just so confused, he's uns and, and the vast, vast, vast majority of them are just unsaved. And, and they just take scriptures, we're going to see it about some of the gifts and things like that, and they just, just go completely off the rails with it. Um, but for me, that stuff isn't really worth debating. Yeah? When it comes to unsaved people, debating, we were talking about this earlier about the NIV and things like that and being ready to answer these people. Look, if someone's coming to you trying to preach you a false gospel and trying to debate about the NIV and stuff like that, just let them be accursed. Yeah? They're coming to you, I've got no interest. The only interest I've got, I've got is trying to get them saved. Because until they're saved, that stuff's just a waste of time, isn't it? Yeah, pointless. Um, okay, turn to Ephesians 4 because... The renewing. The renewing comes from the Holy Spirit, but then it's the Word of God, isn't it? It's comparing spiritual things to spiritual things, which is an ongoing renewing. Okay, it's an ongoing renewing. Ephesians 4 and verse 20 we're going to look at from verse 20. Ephesians 4.20 says, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concern the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So verse 21 there says, we learn Christ when we hear him and are taught by him, which helps us to resist the old man, yeah? The old you, and be <coughs> renewed in the spirit of your mind, which is basically putting on the new man, yeah? So, just with that in mind, go back to Romans 12, because the renewing of our mind isn't some one-time salvation thing, okay? Just remember that. It's not just this one-time salvation thing, right, that's it, you're done. It's a constant process that requires the Word of God, okay? It's constant. You need to constantly renew. Uh, uh, you can think of it, think of it like a cleaning process. You can think of it maybe like a car. Just having the car means it needs cleaning, doesn't it? And yeah. don't start looking at my van outside because <laughs> it doesn't get cleaned that often, yeah? <coughs> but it should. It should, and it, look, it, a car needs constant cleaning. Now, you could think, well, what if I park it up in a garage? You know, even if you sat it in a garage, it will still need cleaning. But we can't just sit in a garage, can we? Okay, so everyone here, and this is where a lot of Christians get confused, don't they? Or so-called Christians, and you've got these, you know, these monks that just want to go and hide themselves away in a cave somewhere so they're not conformed to the world. 
Yeah, but no, because we need to go and get people saved. So we have to be in the world, don't we? You can't just park your, your car up in the garage, spiritually speaking. No, we need to go out and preach the gospel. If we're out in the world and you're out running that car and you're out doing the motorways and you're out just, just driving around, it's going to need cleaning, isn't it? And it needs constant cleaning, it needs regular cleaning. And, and basically, that's like the Word of God, isn't it? Yeah, we need that Word of God to just be constantly renewing us, constantly refreshing, renewing our mind, because it can just take a short amount of time out in the world. Short amount of time out in some of you guys' workplaces, I'm sure. A short amount of time, just even just out in the shops, and suddenly you're hearing the wicked music, suddenly you're around the wicked things, the things that you see, and you need to get back in the Word of God, don't you? You really do, and, it, and it's so easy not to, but doesn't it help? Doesn't it help? Yeah. And when you start that day badly, you don't start that day in the Word of God. It's kind of like, you, you, it's like basically just taking like a big, big just <coughs> bucket of dirt and pouring it over your car to even start the day with, yeah? There's no, you know, it's, it needs cleaning. And, and that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that we're just renewing, renewing our mind constantly, and that will come ultimately from the Word of God, yeah? And I would say, look, if you, you'll find, you'll find a help if you can just, at some point in your day, get in the Word of God. Not, oh, well, I've done the morning, that's it now. Or I wait until I get home and that's when I read my Bible. Try and get some in somehow, anyhow. You know, work on just a memory verse maybe in a day, whatever it is. It really does help, yeah? Mm. It really does help you to renew your mind on a, on a regular daily basis. Then we're able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, and why is it that we're able to prove it? Is it because we've got this magic ability? No, it's because we're in the Word of God, because it all comes from the Word of God, doesn't it? Yeah. And when you're in the Word of God, when you're reading the Word of God, when you're memorising the Word of God, when you're living the Word of God, then it comes into your mind and you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect Word of God. And you can prove what is a nonsense, you can prove what is a false doctrine, you can prove what is a wrong decision, you can prove what is a bad stuff in life when you're in the, when you're in the Word of God. But Amen. if you're not in the Word of God, you ain't going to be able to do that. Now, verse 3 says, For I say through the, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that's something we often need reminding of, don't we? And, and we can often get puffed up. Everyone here has the ability to do that, um, especially for many of us when we were at these, these bad churches and these churches where no one was doing anything for God. And it's easy to get a little bit puffed up, isn't it? It's easy to think, well, you know, you're some sort of, you know, top Christian, really because you're just trying to live by the Word of God. And, and it's easy. And everyone's probably had times when they, they've felt the need to battle with that. And, they can, and you can still have it in, in a church like this because you can start to feel like when you're going out and you're knocking on doors and all these people who claim to be Christians who, who aren't saved and everything else, it's easy to get puffed up. But we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but we should think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, because it's God that has dealt to us every man and that's people there that's men and women the measure of faith and measure of faith it, we're going to see the kind of faith yeah is what it's talking about in the following verses and so don't get puffed up when you start going through this and go yeah i think i've got a gift for that yeah i think i'm i'm well look it wasn't because you achieved anything it's just because god dealt to you that measure of faith so ultimately it all comes back down to god anyway doesn't it Okay, so verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So like our different members or body parts have different ro roles, so do different members of the body of Christ, that's the local church, okay, have different roles. 
Look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now keep a finger here and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So this is a list of gifts that we've been given, but like with the example of body parts, that he's just used that analogy, is an arm there to benefit itself? Yeah? Is your arm just there to live for itself, to do things that just benefit itself? No, the arm is benefiting the whole body, isn't it? Yeah? Is the arm just there, you know, saying to itself, well, I'm the best arm? You know, is my right arm, because I'm right-handed, just going, yeah, I'm the best arm, I'm better than the left arm? No, he, the, the right arm's there to benefit me, not to show off against the left arm. And, and, and with every other body part, you can see the same way. It's all there to, to, to benefit the body. That's what it's there for. 1 Corinthians 12 also talks of spiritual gifts, yeah, but it says in verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So this is referring to a church. You know, turn to Colossians 1.24 says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Okay, back to where you are. Verse 13 says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have been all made to drink unto one spirit. Oh, I'm not going to go off on a tangent here about Jews and Gentiles. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? <laughs> so as we go through these gifts, just because you might not have a certain <coughs> gift or role, it doesn't mean that you're not a valued part of the church. Okay, just remember that as we go through this. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? And look, we can't all be the pianist, can we? Or there would be no singers, yeah? We can't all be reading the Bible or there would be no one to listen, yeah? You could probably give many other examples in the church. And it's not just about the church service. We're going to be looking at that in a second because it's more than just set jobs in a church setting. You know, there's helpful ministers, there's people just encouraging people forgiving types you know all the things we're going to see are all needed in a church yeah it's not just about whether or not you have a set job in the church service okay there's many many areas that a church needs all these different types of people and not only for the direct things that they do either not only for the fact that you encourage others or not only for the fact that you just help out when there's things to be done but also because those qualities rub off on others so when you go through a list of, of gifts or a list of, of qualities, a list of spiritual gifts, any of those things, it's not just to read it go, well, I'm not that. No, because ultimately we want to be well-rounded, don't we? And when someone has that gift, has that ability, that should encourage other people. Yeah, it's not just go, oh, well, they're good at that. That's what they do. Look, you should, it should encourage you to try and be more like that because they're all good, good attributes, aren't they? Yeah, so it's not, well, well, that gift, well, that one, well, it's only for some people. Look, everyone should be encouraging. Everyone should be a good, good minister, a good help. Everyone should be giving, yeah? Everyone should have some form of leadership qualities, especially the men here, yeah? Everyone here should, should, should try and covet the, the gift of prophecy and be able to preach, even if it's just to help out your soul winning, yeah? So there's many things that we should, you know, they're all good things to have, okay? Because why? Why though? 
is it because it makes you more well-rounded and you can just, you know, put a tick on your box of, of well-rounded Christian in that area? It's because it all benefits the church. Because that's what it all comes down to. It's all about edifying the church, the body of Christ. Okay, so verse 18 says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble and necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honourable, upon these we, we bestow more abundant honour, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Because, look, people could consider, I don't know, cleaning or some of the more menial jobs, the weeding in the, in, the, in, the, you know, in the car park or cleaning outside the front door of the church, you know, so it looks nice when people arrive, the windows, all that sort of thing. They could consider that a menial task and therefore less honourable, but it's not, is it? Yeah, having people who are just happy to just come and do that stuff, having people that just get on with it without even being asked. Yeah, and just make the church look nice. And obviously without going too silly, I'm not saying people that just turn up and just tell me, by the way, I've just removed this and changed that. But people who just, just you know, that number one worker that our pastor preached about when he was here, you know, those people, what a blessing they are. What a yeah. blessing around a church. And all those sorts of things, for, for we bestow more abundant honour on them, don't we? we? We bestow more abundant honour and our comely parts have more abundant comeliness. Because a lot of people, the trick is to get pulled into thinking, well, I need to be something important. I need to have this important role in front of people or something else. Yeah, but that's not where the abundant honour comes. For, for me, leading the church, is people who are just willing to get on with the not so, you know, pleasurable <laughs> jobs. The jobs which don't, aren't, that everyone maybe doesn't see you doing, yeah? For me, like, people who are willing to help with that stuff, that, that's the more abundant honour that I'll shed on them. Because, you know, it's such a blessing to have those people around. He says, for our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honour to that part, that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And it all comes down to the benefit being for the church, which is what? Which is each other. And that's another thing that we have to remember when we're part of a church, because people can look at it and think, oh, well, I'm really helping out Brother Ian with this. Yeah, I'm really doing him a favour here by, by helping out with this job or doing that job. Well, yeah, I'll see what I can do, Brother Ian. No, because really you're helping the church. It's not the church, oh, well, that's Shaw Foundation Baptist Church UK, so I'm helping Pastor Thompson, Brother Ian. No, it's each other. It's each other. Amen. Because that's really what you're doing, is when you, it, it all works together to make a better church. It works together to take pressure off leadership, which means he can put, put effort into other areas, put other time into things which are ultimately going to benefit each other and benefit you know the, the the whole world by going out and preaching the gospel more and doing other things which are going to going to reach the unsaved other things which are going to edify the church etc and that's what it all comes down to so when you're when you're helping the church you're not helping me yeah you're helping each other yeah and obviously when you hinder the church who are you hindering each other when you're causing me grief or you're causing our pastor grief you're really just causing each other grief. And we'll look at that in a minute. Um, <clears throat> with that in mind, let's look at some of the gifts in Romans chapter 12 then. And as we go through these, bear in mind that there are crossovers, okay? So some people do have multiple gifts. Some people have many of the things on this list, maybe to a certain degree. Some people might have one gift to a strong degree. Some people might be like, oh, I don't 
I don't even know if I've got any of these, but you probably maybe have a lot of them just to a lesser degree. Maybe you just need to realise that gift that you have, yeah? And, and, and look, there's nothing wrong with praying for and, and seeking and, and coveting in a good way other gifts as well. It, again, but, for, but what's your motivation? If it's for benefiting the church, yeah? That's what it's about. It's not about for edifying yourself, make yourself look good. Verse 6 back in Romans 12 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, where the prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, is this as you talk about predicting the lottery numbers? Yeah? Let us predict the lottery numbers according to the, to the proportion of faith. Well, although prophecy and prophesying can be about future events, um, Webster's 1828 dictionary is good on this, where it talks about prophesy to utter predictions, to make declaration of events to come. Yeah, it can be that. But then it says in scripture to preach, to instruct in religious doctrines, to interpret or explain scripture or religious subjects, to exalt. Now turn to Proverbs 31, as this is also the case with the word prophecy. So we prophesy with the words of prophecy, with a C there, C-Y at the end. And again, you know, it can be, you know, to foretell, yeah, um, a foretelling, prediction, a declaration of something to come, the word prophecy, but also in scripture, a book of prophecies. For example, you know, a history is a prophecy of a hydra in Second Chronicles, you know, after 929, he talks about, you know, the, the, the prophecies, and it's talking about history, but preaching as well. Okay, preaching, public interpretation of scripture, exhortation or instruction. And we see that example in Proverbs 31 and verse 1 where it reads the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. And if anyone knows Proverbs 31, you've been reading it daily to your wives or, or, uh, or anything else like that, then you would, you would know that, that Proverbs 31 doesn't go on to predict future events to you. Proverbs 31, if anything, is probably talking about uh, things which you'll never see in the future. <laughs> By the way, our world's going anyway, and that's a virtuous woman. But, but it's definitely not a prophecy, is it? It's definitely not a prophecy. And it talks about drinking alcohol and the effects of that and other things, okay? And it's not telling us of, of futuristic things that are going to come. So prophecy, as we see, can be used in different ways. And look, we, you know, we're at the point now where we have a, a finished... Uh, word of God, turn, turn to Revelation chapter 22. Because, of course, you've got the charlatans, haven't you? The false prophets out there claiming to, pre to predict future events, yeah? Claiming that they can tell you what's going to happen in the future. And just on that, you know, yeah, there are some charlatans, but there is some wickedness out there as well. And there, are, there is some spiritual wickedness out there. Okay, and there are people that can come out with bizarre stuff, yeah? And I've known of people that have got involved with some of these, you know, uh, talking to spirits, types, medium stuff, and there's stuff you can't explain. Yeah, you can't explain by our own rationale. It's not that it's just all some big con and everything else, but I'll tell you what it is, it's devils. Yeah, it's devils, and there is some power in the spirit world, but we don't want to be dabbling with that sort of stuff, do we? Okay, and, and when you, you're, in, um, you're in Revelation 22, because it's, God, it's God's mouth which is where trustworthy prophecy comes from and it's all been written down here, hasn't it? The trustworthy prophecies all come out of God's word and it's finished here and that's why Revelation 22 and verse 18 says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. So the gift of prophecy 
as we see here, yeah, it's not for us to start trying to come out with the future, what's going to happen, apart from what we can interpret from the Word of God, yeah? Okay, and sometimes, yeah, when we preach, we prophesy the future according to the Word of God, and often we're just preaching the Word of God. The gift of prophecy, to prophesy the Word of God, is to be done according to the proportion of faith. If you go back to Romans chapter 12 there. What does that mean? Well, that's something that myself and anyone else preaching needs to remember is to preach according to the proportion of faith. Because there are people, and you've probably heard them before, and I've been at churches before like this, when they try and preach stuff that they really don't have any clue about. Yeah, and they are completely off. They're, 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 they're interpreting scriptures all wrong, yeah. scriptures out of context. And it, does that edify you? No. And really, a lot of the time, it makes them look foolish, doesn't it? Yeah. And look, I'll, I'll, hands up now. There are parts of this Bible that, you know, I'd find it hard to preach. Yeah, I, I'd have to really sit down and take my time. And even then, I'm not going to be confident about certain subjects, certain things that, look, I, I'm not going to preach. Yeah, I'm not. And look, obviously, I want to preach the whole counsel of God. Yeah, I want to preach the whole counsel of God. And I want to learn and grow and do that. But I've got to do it according to the proportion of faith. I can't stand up here and just preach stuff that I've, I, I I'm not sure about that. I've got no knowledge about because if I do that, well, it's going to be a bit of a train wreck, isn't it? And it's something just to remember as well. And, and I re look, for me, when I preach, yeah, I want to preach. And obviously going through a book of the Bible, sometimes you're going to hit verses that you're a bit unsure, but I'll make it clear. I'll say to you, well, these are maybe some options on this or maybe, you know, this is, this is what I've heard preached or something else. If I believe it, I'm going to say, yeah, this is what I believe and I'm going to preach. And if I'm sure that saith the Lord, I'll say that saith the Lord. But you've got to remember, and just remember this, guys, those are you. And hopefully in the future, there'll be more people that want to maybe give it a try on a men's preaching night. Okay. When you're, when you're doing a men's preaching night, just, just preach it simple, okay? You don't have to do a 10-point sermon in 10 minutes. That's pretty hard to do a 10-point sermon in 10 minutes. Okay, it doesn't have to, you don't have to get, you know, right, well, I've got to show that my knowledge of this and that, because you're going to find it hard to explain that in 10 minutes. Okay, really what you want to do is, is preach according to the proportion of faith. I would much prefer to just hear someone just preach on just a simple sin. Yeah, and that's going to edify the whole church than to try and really make it sound, you know, really clever and in-depth and everything else. I'm not saying anyone does that, but there could be a temptation to do that, especially for those that just kind of, you know, well, I want to preach and you get up here and I want to show people. And that, but you got it all wrong when you do that, don't you? Because really, what should be your goal when you're preaching? Edifying the church. Yeah. And in 10 minutes, pick a sin and preach it. But pick a pick a doctrine, preach it. You're going to edify the church, yeah. And, and that's that's something to remember. It's something you know that I have to remember as well. You know, I, I'm not here to try and show you how well I understand this particular nuance in scripture, because if I'm thinking that, I'm going to preach a lousy service because I'm definitely not in the spirit, yeah. And I'm definitely not preaching for the edification of the church, yeah. Okay, so verse. Um, on that, just remember that verse 3 said, For I say, through the, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that's not just with preaching, but also with the other gifts. So let's have a look. He also says, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. Right, ministering here, he's not talking about the ministry. He's talking about attending, serving, helping. Yeah, we need that around the church. 
Okay, we really need that around church. As this church continues to grow, we're going to need that more and more. Okay, because look, you know, myself, my family, as I've said before, we can't do it all. And I'm not saying we do because people are, you know, do help out. And we need that. And we'll continue to need that. And like I said, we'll put abundant honor on those people that do that because, you know, it's such a great thing. It's such a blessing to have. We need that around the church. Don't just claim that you don't have that gift. Yeah. Well, I just don't have the gift of ministering. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a gift of putting my feet up and relaxing. You know. <laughs> We've got a sofa up there now, you know, so, okay, but look, because it's something that should rub off on others, okay, and just because someone clearly is just one of those people that's just buzzing around and always busy and finding things to do, that should encourage you to be the same, yeah, okay, but, but that's a great thing to do, let us wait on our ministering, so I think there, you know, in a way saying, look, if you, if you've been given that ability, then praise God, keep helping because it's easy as well. You can just because you have that gift of ministering and finding things to do and keeping busy and doing things, you can quickly get resentful. Yeah, if no one else is really doing that, it's easy to get resentful and start looking around going, yeah, great. You know, I'm the only one doing this and no one else seems to even care or want to do anything like that. Look, look, you know, appreciate the fact that you've been given that gift because it's a great thing for you to have and God's going to bless you for that as well as you as you use it and don't get resentful with it you know because you've still got to do it it's still look God might have given you a gift but you still have to use that gift yeah okay it still comes down to you it comes down to your free will with that doesn't it as well um and that's the same with teaching he said or he that teacheth on teaching some people are just more able to explain a simple point aren't they yeah anyone been around people where you ask them to explain something and you come away more confused than you were at the beginning yeah i've been around many people like that and and it's i've i always found it interesting in the sports world because you would have people that were i mean you know i probably haven't talked about it for a while so i can get away with it again uh, in, in the tie boxing world there were people that were amazing fighters yeah and you you trained with them and you're like this guy you know is is phenomenal yeah this guy wow the skill he's got the the way he went on to like world championships and everything else when he coached lousy yeah absolute rubbish couldn't explain the simplest technique yeah just because someone can do doesn't mean they can teach and the thing is the world kind of doesn't get that so you get a lot of people who are kind of they come to your gym or they come to somewhere and they're like, oh so what's your fight record and what did you do and everything else and and i i got conned into this a little bit when i, I was wanted to learn a bit of brazilian jiu-jitsu and i was trying to find the best guy and i went to a guy who, who anyone who's into this sort of thing will have known the name of a guy called roger gracie yeah amazing fighter yeah now maybe he is a great coach i don't know but for me i didn't get that i i, I was there at the gym and i just didn't really get most of what he was saying you know most of what he's coaching and sometimes there's relationships with that as well some some person you might click with more than someone else i then went down to a gym of a guy who at the time i think was a purple belt called ricardo silva um down, down in epsom not that those names mean anything to most of you but i know one guy who does me too and this guy could coach yeah and i learned so much from him in that short space of time he was nothing in the world of it when it when it was competition at the time but i'll tell you what he could coach and, and that's the same in life in every other area isn't it and i'm sure many of you could probably uh, you know attest for that in places of work and other places just because the guy is the best at the job doesn't mean he can teach you how to do the job just because the person is the best uh, best chess player doesn't mean he can coach you how to be a good chess player yeah yeah he might have a fair he might be better than the guy who's never picked up a piece and and everything else but look with all of it yeah look a, a there's a skill required isn't there for someone to be able to put themselves in the shoes of someone that's hearing listening to them trying to explain uh, uh, rather than just teach it as if they already know and sadly many people who can do they can do but it doesn't mean that they understand what it take, takes to learn sometimes those are the most talent at something don't really understand what it's like to not have talent at something don't they so with teaching yeah you, look 
But if you're good at teaching, and some here I'm sure are good at teaching, yeah? Some here I'm sure have that gift, are able to teach. Does that mean that you just start taking people off to the side of the church and teaching them, teaching them the Word of God? No, that's not how it works, is it? Okay, look, if God really wants you to, to use you for teaching, you'll get, there'll be times and places where you're able to teach because the teaching comes from our pastor and obviously standing in for our pastor in this, where we're, we're a satellite church is myself, okay? So it comes from the pulpit. But there are times, like we have men's preaching nights, and there will be times where people will preach where, yeah, I'll ask you to preach, I'll ask you to, and some part of that preaching is going to be teaching as well, okay? But it's not something that you go and do in private and everything else because that will be start to be red flag time, you know? When people are off whispering to other people, things about the Word of God. And look, there are other places to teach as well. How about teaching the gospel? Yeah, yeah. If you can explain it, you can show someone something, you can teach it. Well, that's a great, great, great gift to have. How about teaching your wives, men? Yeah, use that gift to teach your wives, teach your families, because that's what you should be doing, shouldn't you? But according to the measure of faith. Yeah, according to the measure of faith. Don't go, right, yeah, actually, I think I've got a gift for teaching, so I'm going to sit down and start trying to explain something I've got absolutely no clue about. Well, I've got the gift of teaching, yeah? Make sure it's according to the measure of faith, according to what you do understand, according to what God's given you there. Verse 8 says, Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Right. Exhortation is inciting or encouraging to good things. And that can be through, by the way, it's not just from the pulpit. That can be through advice. That can be through counsel. That can just be by your own actions, can't it, as well? Okay? Some people are just good at encouraging people, aren't they? You notice that in life? There are people that just encourage you, that incite you to good actions. But no one wants unsolicited advice. Yeah? So just because you feel like, yeah, I'm good at encouraging people, it doesn't mean just go up to people and go, you can do it. You can. They're like, yeah, I know I can do it. I didn't even ask you, you know. Look, obviously, again, not unsolicited. Remember, it comes down to the edifying of the church, but it's, if God's given you that gift, God's going to give you a time to use that gift if your motivations are right. If you're trying to force it onto people, well, I need to show brother Ian how good I am at this, because then he's going to, I'm going to show Pastor Thompson, because then he's going to give me this. Well, already you're out of God's will, aren't you? Yeah? Look, God, God's, God's going to sort it out for you. God's going to put you in those positions. God's going to use you if you're saying, look, here I am, you know, send me, Lord. Yeah? That's how we want to be, don't we? And, and obviously, look, forcing our opinions, Look, we don't want to be doing that, do we? And, and it's an easy thing to fall into, but we don't want to be doing that, okay? If someone wants your advice, if God wants them to get your advice, you might just put that little seed in them and they might ask you for advice or something, yeah? Or maybe you'll be put in a position where you're able to give that if you're good at encouraging and other things like that. So it's here, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Now let's talk about generous people. And it's not necessarily just money, okay? And there are people that are generous with their money and offering. And by the way, we're not talking about tithing here, okay? Tithing is paying, is paying God, okay, what you owe. Amen. The first 10% of your, all your increase, okay? And I'll probably talk about that next week, maybe, as we go through Romans 13. But look, it's not talking about tithing, it's talking about giving. That's above and beyond. And it's not just money, okay? That could be food. That can be food, that can be time and resources, can't it, as well? Some people are just giving with these things, aren't they? Some people, it's, they just want to give to you, they want to give you lifts, they want to help you out, they want to do things. Other people, they don't really want to, do they? They don't really want to put themselves out. And look, it's great to have people like that. And again, that can rub off on other people, can't it? He says, let him do it with simplicity. This is without an ulterior motive, though, okay? 
Look, because it's not the same, oh, well, I'm just giving, but it's always to get something back. It's always for some sort of other motivation. It should just be for the sole purpose of giving, yeah? Amen. Sole purpose of giving, to edify, to help, to, to do things for the church. Ruling, okay. He that ruleth with diligence. Ruling is those in positions of authority. Notice he didn't say, he that ruleth with an iron hand, yeah? Because, look, I talked to someone about this recently. You get the uh, you get the cults, yeah. You get the cults where they're not really preaching the truth, so they need to rule with an iron hand in the cults, don't they? Because they need to keep people in line and not let them ask questions and not let them question anything because they're lying to them, yeah. Because they're not even saved a lot of the time in the first place. But he also didn't say he that ruleth, you know, with the nicest smile. Yeah, because it's not necessarily about popularity or anything like that either. He said with diligence. What's diligence? Steady application in business of any kind. Constant effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Exertion of body or mind without unnecessary delay or sloth. Due attention, industry, assiduity. Care, heed and heedfulness too. Okay, that's someone who puts effort into the job, isn't it? Yeah, that's someone who puts maximum yeah. effort in but isn't gung-ho either, yeah? Okay, diligent, care, yeah? He's putting effort in, but it's, it's thought out. Care and effort into a job. Because there are other areas of leadership in the church other than pastor, and in our case, satellite church leader or evangelist. We have a song leader, don't we? Yeah, we have a song leader, soul-winning captains. We have someone leading the live stream video. And in the future, there could be men sent out to lead other churches from here. Okay, so there are, there are many areas and many places where, where leadership's needed. But like I said earlier with teaching, every husband and father here is a leader too. Yeah, every single one. And really, to a, to a lesser degree as well, uh, and not to a less important degree, but every mum here is a leader in the home, isn't she? We're, you know, beneath her husband. So look, there's a lot of areas of leadership. And, but more important than your Bible knowledge, more important than your disciplinarian approach, more important than your popularity, is your diligence, yeah? Is your diligence, is your hard work, is your wanting to put maximum effort in. And, to, and, and yeah, we, look, with that, and, and I know you think, yeah, yeah, whatever, look, it really is important, you know? And look, being a father, you need to put some diligence into that. Oh, well, I had kids, I'm a father. No, you need to put effort in. You need to be sitting down with your wife and sorting out solutions and making the best strategy. You're a manager there, yeah? You're, you're a manager of that, uh, uh, of, you know, your house, yeah? You're a leader and you need to be a good leader. You need to put effort into that, yeah? Going to work isn't, isn't that, that's, well, right, job done. No, you're a leader, yeah? Being a leader doesn't just mean throwing the money down. You go to a business and if the leader just gives out money and does nothing else, that business is going to crumble, isn't it? Yeah, we, men, we have to lead at home, don't we? We have to lead and we have to put diligence, effort, time, effort into that, yeah? Um, okay, and to be a great leader, you know the saying, you need to be a great follower, don't you? You need to be a great follower. If you're going to be a great leader, you need to be a great follower. Turn over to, to Hebrews chapter 13. Because, look, it's something that, that I will just keep reminding you time and time again, because we are different to most churches, barring maybe, you know, the real kind of disciplinarian cults, is that you're in a pastor-led church. This is not a free-for-all, okay? And I say it time and time again. I'll keep saying it until hopefully I never need to say it. Then I probably will keep saying it just to remind you. This isn't a free-for-all. It is a pastor-led church. There is an authority structure here. There are rules, okay? You're here 
okay you're here you're you're part of a great this is a great church okay okay it's a great church and that's not because of me that's not you know that it's it's because because of the the, the lord yeah it's because we're just trying to do things the way God says, and when you do it like that, wow, don't you see the difference, yeah? Amen. And look, and we've got great things to come. Obviously, we're in the starting phase. We're going to add a third night, sorry, a third service. We're going to add things to this church. There's going to be more things going on, and as we start to settle more, and now we've sorted out this room, look, there's going to be a lot to come, yeah? And it's going to get better and better. I have no doubt about that. But, look, you need to appreciate that, and you need to understand that there's an authority structure in a church. Because it's easy, like I said before, it's easy to just think, well, yeah, whatever. You know, he, you know well, he's just getting at me a bit. There are these silly rules. Look, the rules are there for your own good. Right. Yeah, the rules are there for the church's own good. Mm. Yeah, and if you want to be a great leader, you need to be a great follower. And just bear in mind as well, for fathers here as well, if you're clearly not following rules, do you expect your kids to always follow your rules? Exactly. Yeah? yeah? You're leading by example, aren't you, as well? Okay, and look, we all have someone that we have to follow. Uh, oh, well, what about, what about our pastor? Who does he follow? The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah? Amen. And if he doesn't follow him, we ain't going to follow him, are we? Yeah, we're not going to follow our pastor if he doesn't follow the Lord. Look, because we all have to lead by example. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So, look, if you come to this church, you need to obey and submit to the leadership. Yeah? Okay? Obey them. <gasps> oh, what's, uh, you know, obey? What sort of a church leader is this? Yeah, obey. Yeah, obey. How hard is it? Is it hard? Do you find it hard to obey in your place of work? Do you find it hard to obey your boss who's paying you money? Because you're getting more from this church than you're getting from your boss. Amen. Yeah, you're, you're, getting, you're, you're getting fed with spiritual things here. And I tell you what, you know, you partake of spiritual things. And if you can't appreciate that and you can't obey the leadership in this church, then you might as well not be here. Because who does it affect? The church. It affects everyone else. It's not just me. And look, yeah, I will get grief for people that just cannot obey rules. You're like constantly, you know, constantly finding things that are being broken, constantly having problems, constantly having issues. But it's not me because ultimately it affects everyone else. Yeah, and how hard is it really? How hard is it? Or you've just, or you've got issues, yeah? And look, and eventually if you're bringing down the rest of the church, eventually it's just going to end up with people either getting kicked out or you're just going to end up being unpopular because people can see, yeah? People can see in a church. When you're in a church and you just cannot just cannot follow the rules, just constantly doing your own thing, constantly trying to have to do it your own way, everyone else sees that. And yeah, on one hand, they might follow you and copy you. That's going to cause even more grief for the church. On the other hand, they're just going to think, oh, not that person again. Oh, why can't they just do as they're told? Yeah, how hard is it? Well, you need to obey and submit to leadership. No, we're not some false church cult where we ban you from church, yeah, or discipline you because you're late. Yeah, no, that's not what I'm talking about, yeah? Or we discipline you for asking a Bible question. How dare you? Look, you want to ask a question, go ahead and ask a question, yeah? That, that's not what we are. But, look, when we have set rules for the church, I'll tell you rules for sure, there's no debate, yeah? No debate. Why, 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 well, why don't we do it like this? Or why is that? Or why aren't you doing it? Look, there's no debate about it. Just do it. Yeah. How hard is it? Just do it. It's so much easier if you just do it. If you just say to yourself, just do it, and you stop trying to well, constantly have to test and challenge, you will be much happier. You will be much happier. 
If you're unsure, then ask, yeah? That's pretty simple, isn't it? If you're unsure about a rule, just ask. How hard is it to, oh, well, I don't want to have to submit. Well, then you're a problem. And you're a problem to the whole church because it says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves so they watch for your souls as they mu that must give account. Yeah, the people, you know, myself, Pastor Thompson, have to give account to God, yeah? Okay? That they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So if we're getting grief, it's unprofitable for you, and that means you as a plural. That's everyone. That's the whole church. So people that are just constantly causing problems, constantly causing grief, constantly needing more and more stuff added, you know, changed, you know, announced rules, preaching constantly about not doing as they're told. Ultimately, you're going to become unpopular. You should do. And I'm not saying people should start being mean to you, but really, look, it's, it, it affects the church, doesn't it? Yeah. And like I said, you wouldn't do it in a place of work or some other area of life, would you? Yeah? So how hard is it to just come to church and follow the rules? Okay. And like I said, if you're, cu if, if you're causing us grief, it's just unprofitable for everyone else here. So on a side note, with, or not a side note, on that, yeah, we should also be encouraging others to, do, to, to follow the rules, shouldn't we? Yeah, so if someone is clearly just, just one of those people, and some people might just need a bit of encouragement with it. Some people need someone else that's able to follow rules to just show them or maybe say to them, oh, yeah, but isn't the rule this? Don't be shy about doing that because ultimately you're going to be helping the church, that's edifying everyone else, yeah? Okay, and, old, and you don't want a chastisement of God. You don't want a chastisement of God for it, for willfully disobeying his rules, okay? And they're his rules because... I'm an ordained leader in this church. Pastor Thompson's an ordained pastor. Yeah, they're his, and, and who ordained us? Ultimately, God. So whose rules are they? God's. Okay. But like I said, if you want to rule well in other areas of life, you need to be able to follow. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. If I couldn't follow Pastor Thompson, I'd be a rubbish leader of this church. Yeah. Okay, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, these are the types of people that seek out the socially awkward, yeah, that, that are kind to the less popular, that are welcoming to the newcomers. And I'm not talking about private little chats somewhere where, well, someone's new, so we'll exchange numbers and have a little chat. So, no, that's, that's weird, yeah. I'm talking about people that are just, just, just nice, show mercy, that, that basically have empathy for other people, okay, that see a need, that see people that look a bit uncomfortable, look a bit awkward, I want to actually talk to them, not going, right, going to avoid that one, because that's an uncomfortable conversation. And these, again, great people to have in a church, aren't they? Yeah, great people to have in a church to make people feel happy, make people feel welcome, make people feel more at home. Okay, he says here with cheerfulness, do it with joy, not with resentment, again, because others aren't doing it. Not, oh man, it's me again that's got to go and talk to that person because no one else is. Look, ho hopefully the more you do it, the more you might encourage people to do that, yeah? Okay, so yeah, people like that, again, great. Now, God's clearly given us these gifts. We saw that in verse 6, didn't we? But whether you call them spiritual or not, I suppose it, it, it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, because some people get really, oh, these aren't spiritual gifts. And other people are like, no, you know, spirit, what are you trying to say? There's no more spiritual gifts. Look, it doesn't really matter. Because, look, God's given them to us, yeah? So whether you want to call it a gift or a spiritual gift, it doesn't really matter, yeah? Okay, it's a gift that's God given to, that God's given to you and we should be using it and while we're using it for the edifying of the church, for the benefiting of the body of Christ. So what about all those miraculous gifts, though? Yeah? Ah, yeah, the miraculous gifts. Let's hit some miraculous gifts. So turn over to 1 Corinthians 12, which also gives us a list of spiritual gifts. <coughs> 
where it says in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Okay, again, that's to profit with everyone together, yeah? Bear that in mind as we go through this. It's, to, it's for the benefit of others. For to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the work of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. All right, so some may have various combinations, yeah? That's what it's saying there. Later in the chapter, he adds other uh, gifts to the list, which are also on our Romans 12 list, so we, know, we don't have to go there. But turn, turn to 2 Corinthians 12, because we want to know what the deal is with these healings and miracles, don't we? Okay, and you hear a lot about this, you see a lot of false doctrine about this as well. Now, in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is feeling the need to justify his position as an apostle. 2 Corinthians 12, and verse 12, this is what he says. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you, talking about by himself, in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So the signs and wonders and mighty deeds were signs of what? Of an apostle, yeah? The signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. One of the qualifications of an apostle was to have seen Jesus, okay? He says in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 1, you don't have to turn there, am I not an apostle, am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are, ye not, are not ye my work in the Lord? Now, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. While you turn there, I'm going to read Acts 2, 43, which says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Hebrews 2, 3 to 4 says, Hebrews chapter 2 and from verse 3, says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing a witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So God was bearing the apostles' witness and signs and wonders, diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, wasn't he? Yeah, that's what we see here. And it was a sign of an apostle and he was doing that to, to, to show that they were apostles and to confirm the word of God. Because that's what it was doing. It was confirming the word, wasn't it? Remember, we didn't have a complete Bible at this point. And, and it's confirming the word, confirming the Holy Spirit in them. There was no New Testament really there, wasn't there? Okay, so go back to 1 Corinthians 12. Well, you turn now, I'm going to read Mark 16, 20, where he says, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following, Amen. So those signs were confirming the word of God as well, yeah? Okay, so with that in mind, that's why these mirac miraculous signs and wonders, clowns and devils, yeah? These miraculous signs and wonders, clowns and devils, aren't in the hospital healing people, are they? Yeah? Anyone seen them just walking through the hospital, just healing people, healing whole wards? No. Because it's nonsense, isn't it? Amen. Bunch of, well, a bunch of charlatans, most of them, aren't they? And the ones that aren't are just devils. Yeah, well, in fact, they're all devils, just some are charlatan devils, some aren't dev charlatan devils. So, what do they do? Because, look, it does take a lot of front, doesn't it? A lot of front 
or a lot of devil activity to blag the miracles and the healings. I mean, you've got to have some fun, haven't you? To stand there in light, and some of these are in some big auditoriums, aren't they? Blagging this sort of stuff. And look, with that, there are, look, there, are, there is some, some weird devil activity at work, yeah? And there's some weird stuff that happens, but ultimately, they're all unsaved anyway, okay? That goes without saying. And what do we really go by is what comes out of their mouth and what they believe, and these people believe in a work salvation. So whatever they're doing, there's a combination of absolute fakery and some weird devil kind of impressive signs and wonders, because as we know, you know, the false prophet will come with all sorts of weird devilish signs and wonders, won't he? But it would be impossible, wouldn't it, with that in mind, to blag the real gift of tongues, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be impossible to blag the real gift of tongues? And when I say the real gift of tongues, I mean what tongues really is, which is languages. And for me to just suddenly hear, we started bringing in all different nationalities and just everyone has start speaking languages they never even learned. And suddenly I'm speaking this and that. that you couldn't blag it, could you? Okay, you ain't going to do it. So instead, what these false teachers do is just change the meaning of the word tongues. It's like, well, how do we get around this one? Because we can't really fake this. Well, I know. Let's just change the definition of tongues and languages to incoherent nonsense. Yeah, because that's a bit easier to blag, isn't it? Incoherent nonsense. Yeah, that's a lot easier. And to convince people that if they just make noises and, you know, and blabber all sorts of nonsense, that they're somehow speaking the gift of tongues. And people can be fooled into this, yeah? And I'm not saying that everyone doing it is going on blagging everyone here, yeah? A lot of them are actually being conned into thinking that they're talking some sort of heavenly language. Because it said, where, where were we? It said here... In, uh, if you go back, sorry, go back to, uh, to, to 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 10. It said, To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kind of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Right, divers means different or various, yeah? I think it's f from where we get the word diverse, isn't it, okay? Tongues means languages e.g. speaking in the English tongue, or the mother tongue, people say, don't they? Or the native tongue, yeah? Okay, turn to Genesis 10, because first instances in the Bible often help to define a word, don't they? Okay, first instances of, often help to define a word. And we see in Genesis 10, the first instant of tongue, of talking about tongue as a, as a singular. Now, Genesis 10, 1 to 5 is showing us the ongoing generations of Noah's sons and the coming division after Babel, okay? And from verse 1 it says, Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, unto, and unto them were sons born after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, and Magog, and Madai, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshech, and Tiraz, and the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, and Rephath, and Togomar, and the sons of Javan, Elisha, and Tarshish, and Kittim, and Dodanim. By these were the isles of the Gentiles dividing their lands, everyone after his tongue, of their families in their nations. Okay, it's pretty clear what that tongue is, isn't it there? Yeah? Genesis 10 verse 20 then says, in case you're still wondering, what about tongues? These are the sons of Ham after their families, after their tongues in their countries and in their nations. Talking about obviously because then they get, they get spread abroad, don't they, after Babel. Okay, with different languages, tongues. Nothing to do with random noises, is it? No. Nothing to do with random noises, whether it's clicking or clucking or, or, or you know, whatever it is. 
Nothing to do with that. <laughs> it, it, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because it, is fu- it is funny, really, isn't it? It's funny, it, but sadly it's true. And sadly you're talking about a lot, a lot of what they what claim to be Bible-believing Christians. I mean, these aren't people who just go, well, yeah, this is just my religion. Or this is what we do. These are people that are claiming they found this in the Word of God. It's madness. Okay, so turn to Acts 2. Because there was this miraculous gift where people were suddenly speaking in languages they had never learned. That's an amazing gift, isn't it? And there were those that were interpreting or understanding languages that they had never learned. Okay? The interpretation of tongues. Acts 2 and from verse 1. 2 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right, this isn't getting indwelt with salvation. It's a filling or coming upon of the Holy Ghost here. Okay? They all began to speak with other tongues. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. I mean, it's clear as day, isn't it? And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, and not all these which speak Galileans. And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Surely no one, surely no one can interpret that as an unknown noise, yeah, some unknown noise which is a special prayer language between you and God that no one understands. Surely you could not read that and come away with that. But they do, don't they? Why do they? Why do they? Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? With the vast... I mean, I have a hard time in believing that someone that's saved could then get deceived into that. You could get saved whilst deceived in that and maybe take a while, but I, I, look, maybe you could. I don't, you know, I don't want to start putting levels on it, but I have a hard time seeing that because that is bizarre, isn't it? Or at least if you were deceived into that and start to go, blah, 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 or whatever else, because that's what everyone else does and they seem like lovely people. Yeah? They seem like great guys in this church. Yeah? If someone with the word of God just went, look, Acts 2, what does that say? Then hopefully they would go, yeah, because, like Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, yeah? And I know them and they follow me. So it should be clear once it's pointed out to you, shouldn't it? Okay, turn to 1 Corinthians 14. Because what do we say that the point of all these gifts was? What did the Bible say the point of all these gifts was? The edification of the church. To benefit the church, to edify each other. Okay, and and with that in mind, look at 1 Corinthians 14 and from verse 1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. So Paul is saying instead of speaking some rare language no one understands except God, 
desire the gift of prophecy or preaching. Okay, because you can imagine some people thought, yeah, this is a pretty cool gift. Yeah, I could just speak these languages. And, people, and then they start trying to go with the most obscure languages and stuff. And people are like, what? No, wow. You know, that's really cool. Well, say, look, prophecy or preaching is better. Yeah, it might not look so impressive. Yeah, but, and he's not just talking about from behind a pulpit. He's talking about going and preaching the word of God. Yeah, and preaching the gospel as well. Okay, the mysteries here means that no one understands it. Oh, he's some special mystery. Like, no, it just means no one understands what you're talking about. Yeah? It's, it, it's not talking about some extra biblical revelation. Okay? Okay, verse 3. But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Okay? It benefits others. Verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, and he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Okay, so let's just for a second, let's just pretend that an unknown tongue, uh, un sorry, unknown tongue, yeah, actually did mean some bizarre voodoo type chanting, okay? Let's just pretend that we're all wrong. Let's just pretend that Acts 2 doesn't exist, yeah? That in fact the first instant of the word tongues was someone back in, you know, Genesis 10 was just like, no one understood what he's talking about, okay? Let's just pretend that none of what I said really, really existed, yeah? That, that like I said, none of that happened, that it was actually just like jibber-jabber, okay? That no one understood, but it was between you and God or something, you know, weird like that. Okay, what's Paul saying? He's still saying that you're only edifying yourself, isn't he? So even if that was the case, He's, he's rebuking them and going, you're only edifying yourself. Because what good is it? What, what, what is that benefiting anyone? Yeah, if, if, we, if I started doing that now and going, right, guys, everyone just quiet for a minute because I'm going to do a bit of tongues, yeah? Okay, end of the day prayer, ready? Yeah, who's benefiting from that? Absolutely no one. And what is the point in all these gifts? Every single gift is to benefit each other. It's to edify each other. So even if, even if we're like, all of that, what I said didn't exist... What are these morons doing? They're basically going again, because they love going to, to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians because, because it doesn't mention languages there, yeah? So they love going to there and just ignoring everything else. But by the way, you, you could read through it in your own time. Uh, we won't do it for sake of time. But 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and read through it and just replace tongues with language or languages and it makes perfect sense, yeah. okay? But... It's, it's, it could also, you know, fit in their mind, well, we could go look tongues because, you know, it suits their doctrine a little bit more, probably a bit easier to, to preach false doctrine from that chapter alone. Okay, but he said here, well, he said, if any man, in verse 27, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, unknown language, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret it. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So... He, he's just said earlier in verse 4, he that speaks an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So why has every single one of these charismatic Pentecostal types all just trying to seek this gift of unknown tongues when Paul rebuked them and said you're not edifying anyone with this unknown language, which people don't understand. And if there's a few that do, it's okay. If there's a couple that understand it, that's all right. But otherwise, cut it out. Let alone, so, like, does, can anyone, does anyone, I, I don't know, I haven't been in one of these churches, is, does anyone actually pretend that they understand what these people are saying? Is anyone standing there going, right, he's saying this, this, this. Well, the person saying it, we know he's blagging. He'd be like, what are you talking about? I didn't say that. 
I didn't say like give the pastor more cash. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say you know I didn't say whatever other like false. I didn't say yeah repent to give your sins is true. What are you talking about? But but it doesn't because no one can interpret it. So the whole thing is an absolute nonsense, isn't it? They go to First Corinthians fourteen, which is rebuking what they're trying to claim that it's saying, but it's obviously it's not what they're saying. Okay. Let's move on from languages. Back to 1 Corinthians 12, though, for one final point, and we might maybe cut this chapter in half because I did think it might take a while, and we are only a few verses in. So, um, okay, back to 1 Corinthians 12. We've seen that signs and wonders and miracles were a sign, were signs of an apostle, yeah, and to confirm the word. We have the complete Bible, don't we? Okay, and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, yeah? So why are they such a part of 1 Corinthians 12? Have you ever wondered that? And, okay, of course, it was written for the day as well, and there was still some of that going on at the time. And obviously it had just been, and they'd just been seeing that sort of stuff as well. And obviously we are to study to show thyselves approved. You're a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly divine the word of truth. And we have no doubt, because the Bible's clear, that there were signs and wonders and miracles, not just wrought by Jesus. We're not some of these that try and explain away the miracles of the Bible. But there were signs and wonders and miracles done by by the apostles as well. And we see Paul doing some amazing stuff. Well, if you notice in Romans 12, yeah, Romans 12, they were all things, you don't have to turn there, but they were all things, because I went through them, that the world would call personality traits, characteristics, weren't they? They're all things that can be explained away by, you know, the, the, the kind of rational so-called thinking world, can't they? Well, because it's all about faith, isn't it? It's all about faith. So, you know, you could go home and say to your unsaved, you know, family or friend or whatever it is, oh, you'd be amazed this person's got this gift of the spirit. And in their mind, they're thinking, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah, that's just the sort of person they are. Yeah, they're just a bit of a giver. They're just good at preaching, they're, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. So there's always a way of explaining it away, isn't there? Well, you could say, you could say, yeah, that, uh, look, on that, look, because it comes by faith, doesn't it? So those signs and wonders were to confirm the word, to confirm their apostleship, to confirm what they were saying. But that's done. We have the word of God now. So, look, if we were suddenly speaking dozens of languages we'd never learned in this church, wow, we'd have those windows open, the doors open and everything else. If we were healing people for real, yeah, and we were doing unexplained miracles, there'd be a lot of people coming and taking interest, but it wouldn't be about faith in the Word of God, would it? Okay, so you could say, though, that everything on that list in 1 Corinthians 12 could be seen today, but could also be explained away by the Word. So what I'm saying is there's a, there's a non-miraculous version of it all, I think. So when you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 8, it says, For one to one is given the, by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. You see great wisdom and knowledge amongst some men and women of God, don't you? Yeah? To another faith by the same Spirit. Some have strong faith, don't they? There are some people that have some really strong faith, aren't there? Some people that they have no doubt God's going to answer their prayers. They have no doubt about, you know, what it is that, you know, that God's going to do, what he says he's going to do. And some people are weaker with that. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Okay, what about healing? Well, you could translate that to getting people saved, though, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah? Like, wow, don't we do some healing when we go out? Yeah, people that are literally rotting corpses walking, Mm. and suddenly, 20, 30 minutes later, their eternal lives walking. 
Yeah? We do some great healing when we're out, don't we? Yeah? What about, what about to another, the working of miracles? Well, there are people that, that come into churches like this and, well, does the Word of God do miracles in their lives? Amen. Yeah? Doesn't it? There are people that come into churches like this and, and their whole life changes around. And, we, we, you know, over that time here, we're starting to see that with people come into this church and, yeah. you know, months later, you're seeing those changes in them. Wow, there's some miracles that happen with the Word of God, aren't there? Miracles that happen with the Word of God. To another prophecy... And there are some great preachers out there, aren't there? Yeah, we've all listened to some great preachers over time, and it's a great thing to hear. To another discerning of spirits. And there are people, yeah, that can, we were talking about this earlier, that can just spot the bad guys. Yeah, they can just spot them. And they just have a knack for it. They can dis and, and not just, I sometimes think with, with uh, discerning of spirits as well, they can discern motivations as well. They can discern the spirit that something's done in. So when someone thinks that they look so clever because they're saying it one way, but some people can just discern what they really think or what they really, you know, what, what really that spirit is behind it. And there are people like that, aren't there? To another diverse kinds of tongues, some people have a gift for speaking languages, don't they? Some of us English born and bred here, yeah? We're like, hola, hola, you know, see, mate, you know, and everything else, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, we look at some of you, some of you that have a gift for it and th think, wow, that's a gift for languages because we, we, we don't have that gift, yeah? And there is a gift. And look, it's one thing, you know, some people can speak a couple of languages. Some people just have a gift for learning languages, don't they? And some people have a gift to another, the interpretation of tongues. And that's a gift for translation because one thing to be able to speak a language, it's another to be able to translate accurately and clearly. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you what, that gift of translation was probably used for this King James Bible, wasn't it? Amen. Yeah? And, and look, all these things, look, obviously there were the miracles, yeah, back in, you know, 2,000 years ago, but all these do carry forward, I think, in things which can be rationally explained, but for us who know, we know when people are being given something by God for the edification of the church, don't we? Yeah. And what's the point of it all? Like I said, for the benefit of others. Edification of the church, to benefit those that, you know that are in you know that, that are in the church and that's what it's all about isn't it yeah it's about benefit benefiting others and you standing there and just you know just jibber jabbering something because someone told you that that makes you more holy and that they prayed for you to have that gift ain't edifying no one in fact it's not even edifying yourself because you look like a fool okay on that let's pray <sighs> Father, I thank you, um, I thank you for, for just your clear teachings in the Bible that, that with just a little bit of study, and it's not exactly even a great deal of study, just a little bit of study that, that you know, we can rightly divide the word of truth and we're not talking about dividing you know, nonsense dispensations that aren't even there. We're talking about dividing the truth, dividing the word, dividing you know, what's truth from, from false doctrine. And we thank you that you, you make that, you give us that ability to do and ultimately that's through your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that gift. And we, we pray that you'll help us not to get bogged down in these debates with others. It's, it's good for our edification to be strengthened in these things. But really, you know, our goal is to get these people saved. And we don't want to create stumbling blocks and get into arguments around. We just want to try and get people saved. Um, help us to do that this week. Help us to go out and, and, and not only use those gifts for, for the church here, but use the gifts that you've given us to go out and preach the gospel and then to all return back here and just keep building this church keep edifying this church keep growing as a church help us do all these things in your name amen, amen.